Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems around the world adopt technology with me, Tiasha Zaitz. End of August, Days of eHealth were organized as part of the Slovenian Presidency through the Council of EU. In four days, a lot of insight was offered about healthcare digitalization in Catalonia, Germany, Portugal, Slovenia, Finland and Israel, which is not a European country, but is so digitally advanced that it was worth hearing how the digital strategy looks like there. In the previous episodes, I published the panel discussions about Germany and Catalonia, and today you'll be tuning in the panel about Israel. Perhaps a brief intro. Israel has had electronic healthcare records for two decades. A country of 9 million people tributes roughly 7.5% of its GDP to healthcare and is home to roughly 1,500 companies operating in the healthcare and life sciences. In the panel discussion, you will learn about the national digital health strategy in Israel, how are stakeholders from health maintenance organizations, government and hospitals collaborating to advance healthcare. But you will also learn a little bit about Slovenia with two representatives of the Slovenian healthcare ecosystem. The speakers you will hear from are Esti Shelley, Director for Digital Health at the Israeli Ministry of Health, Michael Halbertal, General Director of Rambam Healthcare Campus, Noah Kedim, Deputy Director for the Digital Health Unit at Maccabi Health Services, and Slovenian representatives Yuri Shurli, CEO of the Hospital Toposhica, and Bogdan Tushar, Acting Director General for the Directorate for the Development of Health System at the Ministry of Health in Slovenia. Enjoy the discussion and do browse through other episodes as well and visit our website www.facesofdigitalhealth.com Additionally, I would like to invite you to follow the European Patients Forums Congress happening during 26th and 29th of October. The Congress will be focused on the patient perspective of the digital transformation in Europe. I will be co-hosting the event together with Yvette Jakab, president of the EPF Youth Group, who I presented in the previous episode. Find the link and details about the Congress in the show notes. Now let's go to Israel. The first voice you will hear is from Esti Shelley from the Israeli Ministry of Health. Esti started with a brief introduction of Israel. Israel is not very different from other uh, developed countries. We see aging uh, population. Uh, Israel has a, a positive growth rate of uh, the population. We have high uh, rate of uh, children. Uh, I myself have uh, three kids. This is, uh, let's say, the average in Israel is 3.1 kids per uh, family. So I'm about the average. 
Uh, we see increase in uh, chronic diseases uh, in Israel and the, the prices of drugs and medical technologies, again, very similar to the trends that we see worldwide. On top of that, we see the uh, growth in the public expectations. They are really not willing to wait a long time to see a physician or to get a treatment. And on the other hand, we see a lack of physicians and other health professionals, which has actually become a very serious problem here in Israel. So we are calling it uh, the perfect storm and together with the COVID uh, pandemic become really uh, interesting times to, to be in healthcare in Israel and worldwide. Um, but we are trying in Israel to look on the strength that we have, the data, the startup nation, very strong R&D technology and medicine in Israel, and, and to take all of this together to see how we as a government can support this. So a few years ago, Israel uh, uh, passed a government uh, resolution of digital health as a growth engine, which put a very ambitious three goals of bringing Israel to become one of the world leaders in digital health solutions, focusing on the industry, focusing on clinical and academic research, and of course on the healthcare system. And we are trying to promote this, looking on the data and the R&D to make Israel a, a strong and a supportive environment for R&D in clinical data, but also in in clinical trials, not only on the digital health tools. And of course, we would like to see the improvement and implementation of digital health solutions in the healthcare services, which is our goal. Give uh, some examples and we try to, uh, to stop soon. So just some numbers from the last uh, two years. Uh, for example, in the last year, we supported 46 telemedicine uh, services and 24 Hospital. This uh, was part of a program that we have done during the COVID pandemic. We saw many of the hospitals gave uh, telemedicine services, but not necessarily had the relevant infrastructure in place. Sometimes we found all kinds of solutions. Israelis are very good in, uh, in inventing new solutions, but when we are trying to look ahead and to see that we want to see those solutions sustainable and uh, secure, so we uh, brought some funds to support some of those uh, services. Similar to that, we have done with the HMOs and we are uh, trying to put all kinds of uh, innovation tools like how to support pilots. So uh, Israelis uh, tech companies will pilot their solutions in Israeli health organizations. So we as a government together with the Innovation Authority support pilots in uh, you can see the numbers, more than 50 pilots altogether in Israeli health organizations. And we are also supporting a, an, in the R&D infrastructure in health organizations. I will stop here. So we'll have enough time for the panel discussion, which I'm sure will be interesting. Thank you. Thank you, Esti, for the nice presentation.
Perhaps just to counter a little bit what you said or to give you a little bit of an insight into how the Slovenian healthcare system uh, is working, I would ask uh, Mr. Tushar to perhaps share what do you see as the biggest digitalization-related strengths of the Slovenian healthcare systems and what are perhaps the priorities for the future. In the last four days, we saw quite a lot of presentations about Slovenia, Portugal, Germany, and Finland. And we can say that Slovenia has been fast in some solutions, such as having the national backbone since 2015, having e-prescriptions since 2016, and e-referrals since 2017. Yes, thank you for the question, and also I would like to say hello to our Israeli colleagues. What they have done, I think it is astonishing. Good practices shows that we can build a good system of digitalization also in our place. About the digitalization in Slovenia, we should go back into the year 2005 when the first strategic document on that field was adopted. And from the, as you said, year 2016, an ongoing process of digitalization is going on in Slovenia with building some new solutions. The e-health e -health system, which consists out of e-prescription, electronic prescription, electronic, electronic appointments, central register for patients and patient support portal, just to mention some of these. When we are speaking about the healthcare system and digitalization in Slovenia, I have to point out that European Commission set Slovenia on the sixth place among all European countries, so our system is quite advanced and modern, as I say. But there are still possibilities to go further. So in now we are drafting a new, new strategic plan for the new years to come. So the new strategy is going to be built with the help of DG reform. So what are the main goals, you asked? The main goals are, of course, to unify patients register and to set a new national framework for telemedicine. I think this is a very important issues, issue that will, be, that will be set in the next years. Uh, so we are building our new strategy also on the plan which set out some resilience and reactive plan for the European Commission according to, to the last COVID situation. So it is very important to develop good efficient, flexible digitalization, digital solutions to bring uh, a good healthcare system uh, in the future, of course. And this is our main issue in the Ministry of, uh, of Health. And what is important is that we want to include main stakeholders in Slovenia to build together the strategy for the next, for the next year. And we have just started, as I said before, and I think we are on a good way to really bring and prepare some good solutions, and especially the good practices that we have heard in previous, from previous speakers on eHealth Week. I think it is very good. Building a network is also important to us to bring some new ideas, some new solutions also into the Slovenian healthcare system. Thank you. Um, because we're going to focus a lot on the healthcare system in uh, Israel and to better understand it, I would now uh, go to Noah uh, Kedim from the Maccabi Health Services. Can you explain a little bit what are the differences between the four HMOs that are running in Israel and how do you manage or interchange the data between the four uh, systems? 
Okay, so good morning, everyone. Um, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. In Israel, as uh, uh, ST uh, mentioned, we have four HMOs. Um, they're all, uh, of course, regulated uh, by the government. Um, uh, it's uh, it's spread out throughout the country, so it's not there's no uh, um, clear geographical uh, classification. But every citizen can choose to which HMO uh, he will be connected with. In terms of data, uh, there are a lot of things going on. Uh, there's a huge. Uh, the main thing is a huge uh, national project uh, uh, which uh, uh, shares the data between all the health organizations, not only within the uh, between the HMOs, but also with hospitals. It's actually coming live uh, these days, and it's it's amazing. Uh, so if a patient uh, uh, moves uh, from one HMO to another HMO, the data can be uh, the, the health data of that patient can be seen by the new HMO. Uh, all the health organization uh, could send their data, and of course it's uh, uh, secured uh, to a main uh, place and. All the other health organizations can look at it. Also in the hospitals, if a patient gets uh, hospitalized, then the doctors in the hospitals can or will, it depends if this hospital already uh, joined the, the, the program, but everyone is, are coming to life these days. Uh, it's just coming up and um, it's absolutely amazing. So sharing data in this sense is great. Uh, I must say that it's not yet uh, shared in um, a coded way. Okay, so we don't have, uh, we can't yet uh, uh, communicate, uh, let's say, uh, in fire or uh, uh, other uh, SNOMED or other uh, uh, known uh, languages, but this is also uh, things that we are working on and projects like this are already go taking place. Uh, here at Maccabi, we take a lot of investment uh, uh, putting together the, the fire uh, language and the SNOMED into our um, EHR, uh, we're already some of it already is done, and we are going on. We're very uh, progressed in this, and uh, we we also engage uh, our partners in the ecosystem to join us. We work a lot on this engagement with hospitals and uh, uh, other uh, parties, and uh, I, I can see this coming up uh, very soon. So it, I think it's a matter of uh, of um, months or a few years that uh, we will see uh, uh, the Israeli community uh, communicating in this uh, um, interoperability uh, way. Thank you. Esti, perhaps can you add a little bit more information uh, to that in terms of how is the Ministry of Health approaching the digital health strategy? What kind of budget are you allocating for this development? And what are the main things that you want to improve? What do you see as the, the key focus points on your agenda at the moment? Okay, thank you. Um, I will add to some of the things that Noah had uh, just mentioned. So, for example, Eitan, the Health Information Ex Exchange Network that Noah was uh, mentioning, is uh, already uh, available in most of the hospitals in Israel, and now coming also to the HMOs. Um, and this is one solution that helps us to secure, to securely um, share clinical information among professionals. It's not available for the patients. It's available only for the physicians and the nurses, etc., uh, that are taking care of the patient. But it is very important that we look at it as a life-saving uh, platform. 
This is an example of a technology platform that we as a government actually funding and developing and implementing. And we're also responsible for the policy and the regulation related to that. I must tell you that really brings many very difficult ethical questions uh, in place because just the question who you give access to such a vast uh, uh, clinical information and you would like, of course, every physician would like to see all the information about the patient when he's taking care of the patient, but you need to balance between the right of privacy of the patient and to the, uh, the fact that you would like to give him the best medical treatment available. Uh, so this is one, one solution that, uh, that is a good example of technology that the government is investing. But many of our actions are actually on the field of policy regulations. And we are doing also a lot of acceleration programs. We believe that in Israel we have a very strong health organizations. And Noah and Miki here are coming from both uh, organizations that have a very strong IT and digital uh, department. They don't need, in many of the cases, they don't need the government to, actually the government probably will just uh, do more problems than uh, help in this field, but they have a very strong IT and digital departments and they need sometimes funds to do this. They need sometimes uh, that we will help them to prioritize on because they have, of course, many other uh, important things. And, and so we are trying to, promote, Noah mentioned the interoperability and the fire that we are promoting now in Israel uh, with a vision of looking how we, are, uh, we would like to see health data portability for patients in the end. So the patient will be able to, to have access to his uh, personal health record in a way that he can make a significant use of it. The other main issue that we are focusing on is uh, how we make a very good use in telemedicine. The numbers that we have saw <clears throat> during the last uh, 18 months, will, uh, we believe that will increase, but we need to make sure that we are doing safe and, uh, and uh, equal access uh, telemedicine services. So we are putting a lot of efforts on this field. Um, and I think I will stop here, but this is like the main so the data, the clinical data, and to make sure that, that it will be accessed by the patient and the physician and the right organization, and to make sure that the data is connected in a way that both sides can make use of it, and to make sure that we are doing and giving a good telehealth services. Thank you. At this point, I would ask Mr. Michael, you're the uh, director of the Rambam Hospital. Can you give us a clinical perspective on the IT structure that you have inside the hospital and in Israel? So perhaps you can also go through a very plastic example of what happens when the patient enters the hospital, what documents does he need to have, where do you get the data from about the patient, and what kind of data can you access? I hope you can hear me. Yes. So, uh, as said, I'm uh, the Director General of the Rambam Healthcare Campus. Uh, Rambam, just to give you an idea, we are located in the northern part of Israel. We are the only tertiary care center in the northern part of Israel, so we cover about 2.3 million people. Uh, it's 1,100-bed uh, academic facility. We are affiliated with the Technion. Uh, 
uh, so it's, a, it's an extremely busy uh, uh, center. Uh, when you look at the, uh, or, or the EMR system or the dig digitalization of the system, the healthcare system in Israel, basically you have uh, files of patients before, before birth till after death. Uh, the one layer is obviously the availability of the information on, on patients and uh, the fact that uh, we are a hospital, we are a government hospital, but there are where one of the HMOs have hospitals, uh, there is the army, there is many facilities that has uh, different ownership, uh, but, uh, but uh, the, the fact of the matter, it doesn't matter what kind of, of a system you use, but it's interconnects and you can see the information between us. So if a patient arrives into the hospital, for instance, from Noah, from Maccabi, uh, and he arrives into the hospital, first, he doesn't need to bring anything. He just walks into the hospital. And once he walks into the hospital uh, and, and with any kind of a complaint, uh, we can enter the data uh, that uh, has the, uh, on the patient in the community. Obviously, in sake of privacy, I cannot just in the morning decides to go to a patient in Maccabi and, and see what's going on with. Uh, I can enter to the, the data when the patient arrives into the hospital. This is my uh, confirmation that I can uh, access the data. By the way, a really interesting point, because when we talk about that, one of the issues that uh, it raises is the issues of privacy. And there's lots of emphasis around the world talking about privacy and you know the issues of sharing data. And in Israel, it was decided when we implemented the system that we will let the, the citizens to opt out. Obviously, every, everybody is opt-in, but you are allowed to opt out without any reasoning. You just have to go to the HMO and says, I don't want you to transfer my data. And if you look, Israel is 9.3 million people. The amount of people that are requested to opt out is, uh, ST is 0. 0.00001, something like this. It's very low, yeah. So it's, it's non-significant. So I think, obviously, we have to look at the issues of privacy. I'm not underestimating the issues of privacy, but I think that the systems and uh, uh, lawyers make out of it more in, than it really is, because the patients and the, the citizens understand the benefit that they get out of the system if all of us see the patients and the information. So once the uh, patient arrives into our emergency room, we look at the data. By the way, we monitor. This is a quality measure for us uh, to see how many emergency ducts or in, in the world, how much they are using the system. We expect that every physician, that uh, once he see a new patient, he will go into the data because obviously it gives you more information. We know that part as clinicians, part of the information you do not get from the patient. You ask patient questions and diabetes, they live with the diabetes. They don't see it that this is a sickness sometimes, but this is a very important information. So it's not that they are hiding the information. They don't see the significance of transferring the, the information, especially when they came for headache, you know? What's the connection? So we expect the physician to look into the data and then it saves uh, lots of efforts because if this patient that came with a headache uh, in the community, the physician decided to send him to do a CT scan, 
There's no reason for me to do another CT scan 48 hours later. So all the information is done. And at the same time, the community physician, he gets an alert that the actual physician or he sent the physician, uh, the patient into the hospital. He can go and see what's going on with this patient while he's being hospitalized. And obviously once you discharge a patient and you uh, move him back to the community services, all the data goes back into the uh, community services and they can see exactly what's going on. Uh, and basically, obviously the, the patient themselves already bring the discharge summaries, but really they don't need to because uh, there's access to all the information uh, during the system. So this is one thing. But when you talk about the digitalization of the system, is what do you do with the information? And I just would like to, with two minutes, share with you. So the idea is, obviously, once you computerize and you have an EMR, obviously, it's good that you can see all the data. But the question, when I looked at it as a hospital management, what do I do with the data? How this all this data helps us in order to uh, be more efficient, run the hospital, uh, get more ideas, obviously going to research, this is another issue. Let me share with you one screen. This is the uh, dashboard that we use, the COVID is the issue now, you know, what we would do without COVID. But this is the, obviously it's in Hebrew, so you don't understand, I will just briefly show you what, once we have all the information, this is how we run the hospital. Because here you see how many patients we have now with COVID, confirmed COVID. How many were accepted since seven o'clock in the morning? What's the acuity? 14, basically 40 of them in, in, in a serious and critical uh, uh, situation. We had also already 2,500 patients with COVID in the hospital. We can see how many ventilated patients we have in the hospital. 14 of them are COVID, but we have other 70 patients ventilated in the hospital. This is an important information for me to know how many ventilators we have, how many patients are, uh, uh, were discharged from seven o'clock in the morning, none still were discharged, how many died since seven o'clock in the morning, how many died from the beginning. And we can see, for instance, that if you look at the wave, the current wave, the overall mortality from the beginning was 14%. But this fourth wave, it's over 20%. How many patients in the emergency room? How, where are the patients located? We can see what's, what are the trends. This is the trend of the patient and we can see it from the beginning. This is from March 2020 and we can see the different waves, exactly what happened in the hospital throughout the waves. And this is the current wave. How many people die? Look at this, it's it, all these black cubes. It's how many people die. And what we see now differently, for instance, and we, and uh, because we have our own system, it's short circuit. Three days ago, I said, I need to know more information about the emergency room. I went, I, I spoke to my IT people. I say, I want to concentrate on the emergency room. And I have all the information about the emergency room, how many were accepted since one o'clock, but then we can see the trend. We can see major difference. This is how many patients we had in the emergency room from the beginning of COVID. And we can see that in this wave, Many more patients. We have 20, 26 patients a day coming to our hospital with COVID. And this is a major issue because each one have to have an isolation room. We can see how many patients or how many of our staff are vaccinated. 
96, 98% of the staff is vaccinated. We can see over here how many of our staff are in isolation. How many were uh, recently, uh, uh, how many recently got uh, uh, COVID? Since the beginning, we are almost 6,000 of staff. Half of them had to go to isolation. So all those information, it's what do you do with the data is sometimes more important with the data itself. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Halbertal. And at this point, uh, given that you mentioned COVID and the management of pandemic, I would like to ask uh, Isti if you could offer us a little bit more background in terms of how was the pandemic managed uh, in Israel? You were very successful and very fast with vaccinations and the international media was reporting about how fast things got back to normal in Israel after the vaccines were on the market. Given the, the information dashboard that we just saw, does the Ministry of Health have uh, something similar? How do you make decisions in terms of lockdowns, in terms of restrictions, especially now when the vaccines are already available and the situation is a little bit different than it was last year when we didn't even have uh, testing available? I must say I don't feel comfortable to to contribute or maybe even to, to relate to how decisions are, are made. I would, because I'm not part of the decision makers tables on the COVID, uh, but I will say that we do have a dashboard, national dashboard that is uh, open to the public uh, daily and you can explore the data. And we are also sharing some of the data even uh, we call it like data.gov, if you're familiar with the concept that you can see uh, like Excel sheets or CSV files that you can explore and analyze the, uh, the data. Uh, and if you're a Twitter user, you can see that there are uh, many people on, on Twitter that become uh, uh, really like a public figures that analyzing the MOH data and uh, giving new insights and new, new studies of how you can look at the, on the different uh, data. We have some groups from uh, Weizmann Institute and uh, some, uh, some even just uh, private people. Thank you. Um, uh, Mr. Me, yeah. yeah, go uh, ahead. I, I think that just to help Shelley, because I'm more on the clinical side, but again, I think that you have to see it uh, with your own eyes. I would show you the, the open dashboard that uh, uh, you can enter the, the actual dashboard. Um, where is it? Uh, seconds. Here. Uh, th this is the national dashboard and you can see lots of information. This is the new cases for the last 24 hours. How many active cases? How many in critical condition? This is the amount of the vaccinated. This is the Israel uh, uh, numbers. Uh, the, the first dose, second dose, third dose, mortality. What's the percentage of the, of the confirmed cases? It's 7.65% uh, from uh, 145,000, sorry, 151,000 uh, 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 tests that were done. We can see what's going on according to areas. We can see all the information here about uh, how many confirmed, what are the trends, and we can drill down to uh, each and every settlement, every uh, town in, around Israel. 
and, and we can see all the information that we have. Everybody can enter this, and this is part of the dashboard of the Ministry of Health. Thank you. We do have something similar here in Slovenia. The difference only probably is that um, the dashboard that's available for here it was actually a bottom-up approach by a, a few uh, experts and enthusiasts. So it's a completely voluntary project called Sledilnik, which was presented on Monday. And I can perhaps share that link with you a little bit later. We talked a lot about the meaning of data for clinical decision-making. And at this point, I would perhaps give the word to Mr. Shorley. You are a clinician yourself. You're leading a hospital. In What's the state of digitalization in your institution? and where do you see the future innovations are going to support healthcare? Because when you've got fast access to patient data and information, you can offer better care. Thank you. Firstly, thank you for the invitation. Now we mainly hear about uh, using data for the management of the system or the hospitals. But where we see the main importance of the data is in decision-making when you treat the patient or when you need the data for the diagnosis. Orientation of the digitalization in the hospital is the usage of this data for the help of the doctors when they treat the patient or when they see the patient or before even they see. I have to say that in the last years, the system in Slovenia has uh, made an uh, enormous uh, step forward. Availability of the data with connecting all the, let's say, medical uh, providers in Slovenia in the same uh, spine in e-health made a digitalization decision making the hospital easier. It was already mentioned the uh, e-prescription and uh, things like that made it available to get the data, what was for the patient prescribed over the whole Slovenian medical system. We can get an, uh, the data of uh, their previous ambulatory hospital visit practically all over the Slovenia. And that's uh, one of the cornerstones when uh, we start dealing with the patient. So in the hospital, we try now to put all the data collected from the patient in our hospital in the same system, giving the doctor help in decision-making. So with the data uh, starting a sort of tool, we at the end of the day takes care of the data in the meaning of if the data for the certain type of diagnosis was collected in the right way, in the right time, if all the data for the further decision-making is already collected or do we need something else to do, it uh, notifies us if there is a mistake or not. It also reduces uh, the number of involuntary mistakes uh, regarding therapy distribution for the patient, exams and things like that. In the future, we're looking uh, how to bring the system to the patient, not the patient to the system. One of our future project is, we call it drone, so it's men or air vehicles without direct driving from the person way of the collecting medical samples from the region that will allow us uh, to get the patient's samples, blood samples or other samples without needing the patient uh, going to the hospital or to the center where he give this uh, sample. He can stay in his own uh, town. You have to know that Slovenia is geographically quite diverse and getting to the center is in certain
certain areas quite difficult and with that we're going to bring the system to the patient also to the areas where this normal traffic connections isn't as available as in other places so that's one of the systems which we try to bring the system to the patient the other one is collecting those uh, different data for the patient predominantly at the moment for the patient with uh, lung cancer treating them and uh, making the right decision at the right moment when to change the therapy or to introduce new therapy or to start different type uh, of uh, therapy or to expand uh, diagnosis procedures and laboratory tests Thank you. You mentioned drones, so I think it's time for us to move to healthcare innovation. And Israel here has a lot to share in terms of working with startups, testing solutions, funding solutions. And before we get their perspective, I would ask Mr. Tushar, in Slovenia, we often feel that innovation is entering healthcare very slowly. So can you perhaps tell us a little bit more about the process of new solutions entering in the healthcare clinical practice and then we can perhaps go to Israel and if you have any questions for the colleagues on Zoom feel free to ask them a question yourself. Yes, what Mr. Shorley said before it is very important so bringing patient to the system not system to the patient and I know the Bonishnitsa Topolshitsa I think they are quite innovative and this is the way how also other hospitals should should go their own way making and seeking for the new solutions for the new ways of how to be closer to the patient and of course the Ministry of Health will support those ideas and those initiatives I think this is very important to build a national strategy how to support support those those ideas that are really really very good what was also very important I think it is how to share data because we really need data in a present time good data that supports decision-making process of the key healthcare uh, providers uh, so this is also our aim to provide innovative solutions how to bring data to those people who actually deal with, with the treatment process of the patients because they need good data and this is this is also a very important so that's why the main issue for the ministry is to build a really unified unique patients records electronically a patients record in the future that will bring some solutions on that way what about innovations such as startup solutions? Can you just briefly explain what is the process of a new solution entering the clinical practice and being real? I think we are not quite used of such solutions, but I think they are very good because they have some new fresh ideas that can be bring closely together. And just, I think, that's why the Ministry of Health has invited many, as I said before, stakeholders to bring new fresh ideas, to see new good practices, not only from the Slovenian point of view, but also from, the, from abroad, to collect the, those ideas and to some bring them into our system. That's why we also support the technical help from the European Union that will sub support and bring us help on the fields that maybe we are not so strong at that point. I think that our way is to really bring and to hear good ideas, good practices, 
like we have heard the practices from the and this is what is important for us and these are the advantages also for our future. Thank you. Esti Shelley before mentioned that there are uh, nearly 700 digital health companies in Israel and 50 accelerators, um, HMOs work with startups, clinicians and um, hospitals work with startups. Um, Noah first and then Mr. Halbertal, could you tell us what's your approach to working with startups? What's the process? How do they get in? How do you evaluate them? Just uh, a little bit about that. Noah first. Yes, thank you. Indeed, there's a lot of opportunities in Israel for us as an HMO to connect with startups and and the, the main thing that we think before we, we start the process of evaluating the startup and the technology is how this uh, solution answers a challenge that we face. We're constantly looking at uh, our challenges. We're trying to understand uh, 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 what are the, the real challenges that we need to tackle in order to bring this vast value with this uh, uh, connecting to a startup. This is for one hand. And on the other hand, we also uh, uh, meet regularly, very much involved in uh, is, uh, all kinds of startups uh, meetings and meetups and uh, ideas. We meet a lot of startups all the time and all the time we look for the match between a challenge that we have and a startup that is making up a new technology or a, a process. Uh, once we have this match, uh, it's a process, it's a process, it's not a... a uh, one person uh, looking at the startup, it, it meets a lot of uh, uh, parties uh, within the organization. We look at it from clinical wave, uh, clinical aspects, legal aspects, uh, 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 safety, uh, uh, risk assessment, uh, security aspects, technology aspects, uh, financial, of course, it has to, to, to have some win-win uh, uh, financial uh, solution, otherwise it won't uh, hold, okay, and um, and once we have uh, this clearance from all the parties, uh, uh, we come up with a, a partnership. It, it is a partnership. So we as a uh, we're not we're not a startup, and we do have an organization that trades up startups, but it's very small and it's not our main business. Uh, we do need the startups. It's natural partners for us to bring in innovation into the community. And eventually, it must be a win-win contract. The startup needs to gain their value from access to the data, to the processes, from our ability to implement processes in a huge population. In Maccabi, it's 2.5 million patients. And this is from one hand. And on the other hand, Maccabi as an HMO must get their immediate and clear value for challenges we're facing. And of course, uh, uh, also involved with the uh, uh, reimbursements and royalties in this partnership, it goes together, uh, but it always must be a win-win. 
Can you just perhaps add what is the financial structure of these collaborations? You mentioned it a, a little bit, but just so when a startup comes to you and you start working together, do they still get finance primarily from the uh, funding that they got from their investors? And if the solution turns out to be successful and useful, then you reimburse it. How does yes. um, you yes. know that yes. timeline of funding go? Yes, in general, that's how it goes. Uh, the startup uh, comes with the uh, initial uh, investment that they have. They, they usually already have some kind of uh, product, so, so they have something, it's not theoretical. Uh, and then uh, we develop it together. Uh, uh, they use uh, the infrastructure and the data and the processes and the feedback from our patients and doctors and clinicians into their product. Uh, and that's how the product is developed. Together. Uh, and then afterwards, when it comes a big success, uh, usually uh, the HMO is free to use this uh, technology for free. It's a partnership, so we've been part of this development. And of course, there come some kinds of royalties from future incomes. That's the main, there are all kinds, of course, there are all kinds of ways to contract, but the, the main principles, it's, it's around. Mr. Halbertal, can you also add uh, your perspective to that? So do startups ever come directly to you? And when that happens, do you directly include them in the HMOs? How does that process go? Obviously, the, the first mandate that we have is all to treat patients and, and to give the best medical care. But the philosophy of the hospital that as important and uh, is to do it with innovation and startup. Uh, and it's not nice to have to our mind or is that it's uh, critical. It's uh, we will not be relevant if we will not be involved in innovation and research. And uh, in order to do that, we have few things. First, we have our own research institute that looks in uh, mostly uh, on transitional uh, research we are really little because we have the faculty, medical faculty adjusting to us. They deal with the basic science. The second thing that we have our own medtech company, all the, all the, those uh, relationships and agreements are going through the uh, Ramba medtech company. The third is that we have, we are partnering in an incubator called MindUp and we with the IBM, Pitango, uh, uh, Metronic and ourselves share this incubator and we have companies over there. Now, the collaboration or the agreement that we have with the different startup, it depends on uh, exactly what does the startup need. If the startup needs just data, obviously, because we are totally computerized for 25 years uh, uh, and we have uh, extremely high quality, deep data, uh, uh, this is one thing. So if they are looking for to be, to get data for them to be able to their innovation, this is the one thing. And obviously data is a commodity. This is very simple. I must say we, we are there, but it's not interesting for us because uh, we, as uh, Noah said before, uh, we want to be uh, partners in, in stuff like this, uh, because I think that the mutual benefit to being partnering or, or to this partnership is much higher than just being a, a shop for data. It's not interesting. Uh, 
obviously there is a need for data. We don't overlook this and we are there. And, and if a company comes and wants data, we obviously uh, deal with it. And then obviously the agreement that we developed is tailor-made to the situation. Again, we are government hospital uh, and there are rules of uh, IP, uh, the intellectual property. By the way, uh, we have many uh, uh, startups that are owned by our own staff, that they develop uh, their own ideas. They understand best what are the unmet needs and looking for the solutions. And so more than half of the uh, startups that we work with are starting from our own staff, not only physicians, you know, nursing staff or the allied me uh, medical staff, uh, uh, lots of activity over there. But then again, sometimes the startup comes in and needs the know-how or to connect the, the startup to the actual need of the clinicians. Uh, so then we uh, basically put a team together uh, and again, uh, looking at all the agreement and the financial uh, issues around. We have through the Ramba Medtech, through the tech transfer company, uh, we create an agreement and we have plenty of them. And, and we decide who owns the IP, uh, who uh, basically will uh, have the commercial benefits and what will be the percentage. And also we are affiliated with Technion. Technion is like the Israeli MIT. And this is a very powerful uh, combination to have the physician and the engineer working together. And though we are two different institutions, uh, we work together and we always have a solution for the agreement. If the actual researchers and uh, the clinician do not manage to get along, so we have uh, three levels of support uh, to make a decision up to the end when me or the, and the president of the Technion make a decision who owns the IP and who, how we will share the benefits. So this is how it works. And, and, and we believe that this is, we have to really open-minded. By the way, we have the same system with Stanford, with Memorial Slow Catering, with John Hopkins, and we work together in many things. So how does that uh, impact your financial stability of the hospital if you get additional income actually from innovation, either from equity or royalties? Is that, could that be characterized as an approach to sustaining the financial uh, situation in the hospital in the times when, you know, global healthcare uh, is becoming financially strained and we need to look for new ways into how to make it sustainable? So you mentioned in your opening remark uh, how, many, how much money is spent on healthcare in Israel. Only 7.456% of GDP. Uh, this, you said it's almost like uh, uh, the European country. No, it's much, much less. I said it's less. So the, the oh, average in almost, Europe is around almost. nine. So Germany yeah. is 11, <laughs> but it's a, it's a, you know, a high income country. But yeah, so I was surprised by that because you're yeah. known for, for really good healthcare, relatively yeah, high satisfaction rates, a lot of innovation. And compared to many other countries, you invest so much less uh, in, for, of the GDP to healthcare. So, so there's lots of implication to this. And, and I can tell you, uh, uh, the meeting after you, I'm fighting with the Ministry of Finance on more money. We're always in huge fights 
and, and this will never end because to be a, a little bit devil advocate, if you look at the economical uh, uh, issues of a country, there's one area that you can lose control, look at the states for instance, is uh, the amount you spend on healthcare. It's basically never enough. Uh, but still, I think that Israel is spent much too less, too, too much not enough on healthcare. Uh, and if you look at efficiency and the Bloomberg level of efficiency, we are sixth in the world in efficiency, which is to my mind crazy. So obviously uh, one of the, uh, and we, I talked about the philosophy of hospital to be involved with uh, innovation, there is also economical side to that, because we forever will fight with the Ministry of Finance. But I believe that we have to look for other sources of money to the hospital. So obviously, one of the things that is not spread wide world, but in Israel, it's a big thing, is philanthropic money. Uh, we bring in about $35 million a year philanthropic money, and lots of the things that we develop here is uh, money not from the government. Just to give you an emphasis, uh, the last uh, couple of months, I bought two MRIs, two uh, PET CTs, and three cat labs, and the government gave zero dollars for that. Zero dollars for that. And this is coming from money that we managed to get. So another approach to look at innovation because I believe that all those work is like roads that you put into the sea. And I'm sure, I have no doubt in my mind that they will mature and that will create the, uh, uh, the, the, the basic uh, uh, infrastructure of the economic uh, uh, situation of the hospital. And we already see the amount of money that it brings in. Four or five years ago, the Ramba Medtech, the tech transfer company, brought few thousands of shekels into the hospitals. Now they bring millions, right? When we talk about industry-supported research, right? Uh, this is t ten of, tens of millions that it brings into the hospital. And this is why, uh, obviously, it's a win-win-win. And obviously, it gives uh, uh, the best solution for the hospital because we need to support ourselves. Thank you. By opening up the question of the fights between the sectors, you lighten up the mood for sure. And I just want to tell our three speakers from Israel that in the next uh, sections, I will ask you what do you see as the biggest challenges in Israel in terms of uh, the digital health strategy and the future of digitalization. So we'll discuss that also, and you can prepare a little bit. In the meantime, Mr. Shirley, a lot was said about how innovation is done in on the hospital level in Israel. So I I would like to hear your comment about the situation and um, also what are your possibilities to encourage innovation on the clinician side and uh, actually collaborate even with the industry to do research to, to innovate. Our strategy is almost the same as it was explained from the colleague from Israel. But uh, you have to know that at the beginning it is important how the system is financed, financed, not just the amount of the money. That if you have poor data, what is behind those 7.5 or 8% of GDP? It's almost uh, impossible to compare the amount of money spent because from the same, let's say, virtual uh, money, 
the different uh, things can be financed. In our hospital, predominantly, we try to get uh, a startup company or the company which already has a product which meets the need of our hospital. For instance, the way of collecting uh, patient data, the way of analyzing data, the way of distributing data uh, around or things like that. And when we find a company, we try to make a sort of the project or the new startup in which we put our knowledge in the data from the hospital and mainly the other company gives the technicalia that we need uh, for the system. With that, we reduce the costs of uh, buying system on the market, and that's the main, let's say, uh, income or the saving the money we have. But we are quite small hospital with just 100 beds. Those innovations will result in also financial better outcome in the future, building a good infrastructure at the beginning will give us opportunity to improve the outcome of the treatment, will improve uh, the outcome of decision making, in that also reduce the costs for the treatment. And with that, we can also then compete on the market for the patients or for the other ways of payment for the treatment. That's the main reason why we're doing or why we're improving our system. As I already mentioned, the quality of data is very important. And that's one of things, as I was already mentioned from the representative from the government, it's also goal of the future development of the digital system in Slovenia. Uh, with that system, we'll be able to compare the same things all over uh, the Slovenia and that the results will be the same. Now we have a sort of uh, GDR-driven system, but because of that, also the data is influenced by the system. And I hope in the future those things are going to change and the data will be more, let's say, useful for the treatment of the patient and for the decision-making. And that's how we try to do the things. I think we, ha we have a long way in front of us. We have a lot of things to improve, but without a proper data, we will, won't be able to follow the future uh, needs of medical system. One of the important things is also the treating patient according to the evidence-based medicine, because evidence-based medicine is decision-making regarding data collected in an very well-defined environment. Collecting data then in a free uh, environment is going to be important for changing those now evidence-based uh, way to treating patient and also improve the treatment results. And that's important because what we see is that wide difference between real life and pharmaceutical. What exactly are you missing in terms of innovation and uh, opportunities that you have as a hospital provider? First of all, we need uh, cornerstones uh, in the treatment which has to be fulfilled. For instance, before starting certain treatment, collecting an appropriate uh, data to do that with larger number of data is also a decision better and uh, will give us opportunity to treat the right patient with the right medication. Okay, thank you. Mr. Tushar, a comment? 
I would just like to add something, a thought maybe about the innovative practices. I think in Slovenia there are many different innovative practices. We have heard about the practices in the hospital in Topolšica. But I think somehow our system is some, somehow very rigid. So these, in, these innovative practices, they have troubles to come to be implemented into the system. And especially the next problem is, of course, founding of these new innovative practices. Because we need to put them somehow into a systematic way into the system to be able to be financed. Having in mind our new strategy for the digitalization, we really wish um, that the strategy is not going to be just a plain paper, but also that there will be solutions that will be really effective, flexible, that will be innovative but that could be also implemented into the system and that there will be enough finances in the next year that these practices can practically live on in the field of in clinical practices, let's say. Can you perhaps share anything in terms of how the strategy is being prepared and when do you expect it to be finalized, at least to the first version? Well, we expect that the first version of the uh, strategy will be uh, pointed out in the end of this year. The process is a long-term process. Uh, we are now building or we have a working group dealing with uh, the new strategy. This is quite a uh, big group from different stakeholders in Slovenia. And, of course, there is a help of a GD Forum expert who will, who will analyze the system in Slovenia and bring us and help us with building the new way we are going forward in the next year. So, yes, we are expecting so the some results by the end of, of this year. Because it is very important having in mind also the resilience and the recovery plan that the European Commission has adopted for Slovenia. There are quite uh, a lot of funds for digitalization of the healthcare system. So we will have to be very brief and uh, very strict by making the strategy. I think this is going to be a good process in the future. Thank you. Perhaps, uh, Ms. Estichelli, can you share any of the advice on how you approach the write-up of the strategy? Are you also working with uh, external advisors? How is that going? We do work with external uh, advisors sometimes, but we do believe, I must say, that uh, what we have saw from our experience, that there is no replacement to working with the field, with the hospitals, with HMOs, the knowledge is not within the external advisors. It's the knowledge is within the industry, the clinicians, uh, and uh, the people that are working on these fields and they have their own experience and insight. Uh, we are, it, it's really, sometimes it's become very intensive to uh, to have many meetings and many visits to, to the different places. But um, I must say that we just wrote like a new program for the next uh, few years and we did it uh, on our uh, own uh, uh, manpower. We had some support outside, but again, in the end of the day, the insights are coming from Noah and from Mickey and from their colleagues, not from 
any external company that's doing actually the same thing as interviewing them. So I, I would prefer to hear Noah firsthand and not uh, someone else interviewing Noah to hear what you're thinking about working with the industry. Um, if I may relate to the issue of the next challenges. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think one of the challenges, and this is a, it may be a very Israeli um, challenge, but we are very good in being a startup, being a startup nation in a way. And we are very good in innovating and finding all kinds of solutions for the short term. And I think one of the major challenges that we are uh, facing now, and I'm saying it also as part of my organization, is how we are moving to a more uh, mature innovation ecosystem. How we make sure that those solutions or those collaborations with startup and industry moving to become more evidence-based medicine and part of the medicine and not become as part of something that's happening outside of the clinical uh, sphere or become just part of clinical trial. We want to see it as part of our routine uh, uh, clinical work in the health organizations. And also how we understand and measure better the economic impact of those uh, interventions. As Dr. Halberta mentioned, the resources in Israel are very scarce and the that's a huge challenge because digital health solutions can be really attractive and they look very good, but not necessarily bring ROI or return of investment in terms of public health, okay? Not in terms of investment for the investors, but in terms of our public funds. Because I would just give one very intuitive example from telemedicine services. For example, if my visit to my primary care physician become um, a pre-visit in a way, because if I'm doing a telehealth visit with my physician and then in the end of the meeting, let's say 80% of the times he's, he, he's asking me to come to the clinic for a visit or to schedule an appointment at the, at the clinic, we don't have enough resources to have both meetings in place. Maybe we should say, okay, primary care physician, need to be a physical visit. It's not suitable for a telehealth uh, visit. Just an example, of course, in this example, we see many times that uh, the telehealth visits can give value, but we need to know how to measure the impact and the economic impact uh, of using those different digital health uh, solutions and to choose which interventions we would like to adopt um, and to adopt in a national level, and some of them won't be adopted national levels, although they can be Israeli technologies and they can be very um, attractive technologies. Uh, digital health needs to be um, a method or a, um, or sorry, a method to help us to improve the clinical services and not the aim itself. That's something that uh, I think is very important to, to mention when we are thinking about the future of digital health. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Esti. And now I'd like to go to Noah. We talked so much about the startups, how you work with them, how interesting solutions they have, but we haven't mentioned any examples. So before you go to the question of what do you see as the current challenges in digital health, 
Can you perhaps mention a few projects uh, that you're supporting in Maccabi, testing out and using in, in healthcare? Sure. So um, uh, it also relates to the, the challenges that we have. So I'll, I'll give one sentence about the challenge and I, I, will, I will share with you an example that explains how we dealt with such a challenge. So uh, we do see, uh, I relate, very much relate to what Esti uh, said, because there is a challenge in navigating uh, within all these great opportunities and startups and ideas and, and uh, knowing how to choose the right solution uh, uh, to the right use case in a way that will, uh, will bring up real value to as many patients as possible and uh, will make us, will, will help us to synthesize the, uh, the right and the clear impactful insight from that specific startup or uh, any innovation doesn't have to be a startup. And um, I can bring uh, two examples of uh, how we did such a choice and we looked at, uh, uh, it took us time to find the right use case for a, a technology or an idea. Uh, but we once we found the right use cases it's, and we implemented them, it was it's amazing and impactful solution. Uh, the first one uh, is uh, something that uh, we did with uh, finding uh, uh, suspected uh, patients that are suspected in uh, opioids uh, uh, addiction or abuse. And what we did, we took the data of known patients uh, that were known that are addicted to opioids the use of opioids and we looked at the data and we found the, the patterns that uh, um, tell us uh, which uh, patient is suspected and is going in that way of uh, uh, getting uh, uh, abused. Uh, and uh, uh, we took these parameters uh, very, uh, uh, we talked here about uh, secondary data and the use of data and how do we how do we take it? And uh, we found this case and we found out that if we take these parameters and we run them uh, using AI and uh, other uh, sophisticated uh, algorithms on our patients, we can, we can uh, identify those patients that are about uh, to get into that area. And the data is varied, so it can be uh, demographic and behavioral and all kinds of uh, uh, information. We see patients that purchase the drugs in many pharmacies. We see their visits in doc for different doctors to get their prescription and other also uh, uh, demographics. And once we, we have this detection, uh, we put together an alert for the doctor. It's a primary physician usually that when the patient is visiting him in this ongoing meeting, the alert comes up and pops up the possibility that this uh, patient is uh, suspected to be uh, um, using opioids in a, in a wrong way. Uh, and this come, uh, here comes the, the second uh, element that we must uh, uh, do after we find the right use case to implement a technology or innovation. Is, and it's about um, uh, how do we, let's say, uh, facilitate, it, facilitate this idea to the end user, to the doctor in this case. And this is another uh, big challenge we were facing. Uh, and there must be two, two things that we must do. One, we must explain our user, doctor in this case, what exactly he see. 
So a technology that is, a, a, or a innovation that is a black box for him is problematic because we have a trust issue. And if the doctor doesn't understand what's behind these numbers and these solutions or suggestions, uh, he won't uh, play with us, okay? Uh, so this is one thing, is finding a way to explain to the doctor what this technology does, but in a simple and short way. He doesn't have time to read the articles now, okay? This is one thing. And the second thing is providing uh, uh, practical guidance on this event, okay? So providing possible actions for intervention in the case of opioids that, that we did. So at this point, when we say, okay, the algorithm, the technology found that this patient is about to, um, is suspected in, in drug abuse, uh, we also give him uh, the explanation, why do we think so? How did the algorithm go there? And then we also give him the, uh, we hand for him a practical possible actions for intervention uh, that he can uh, um, uh, just click and, and start uh, uh, rolling out. Uh, and this is uh, uh, two uh, elements that uh, uh, we found that are very important in any implementation or innovation that we bring into our EHR or other tools uh, uh, that must be there to, to gain the success. And again, goes back to, to the challenge that we face. Uh, I sometimes call it a digital adoption. Okay, so it's about, it's more, a, 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 let's say, a behavioral and um, a way uh, for us to, uh, to bring this innovation. Uh, uh, our, our clients, our, uh, the doctors, the clinicians, the patients, the, it's all overloaded. Uh, with all kinds of possibilities, tons of possibilities. They don't know what's right, what's wrong, what's evidence-based, as, as, uh, as they said, uh, what they can trust and what they should do with this uh, great innovation. And this, uh, this is where we come in uh, uh, here in the Digital Health Medical Informatics uh, in Maccabi and the HO to be this bridge uh, uh, between the, the, the innovation and the startups and all kinds of AI, very smart, or other algorithms and technologies to our end users to make it a practical solution in our daily life. Um, I can give another example. Uh, I think it's, we're slowly going to run out of time. So thanks a lot for a very comprehensive overview of a few challenges. I still, we still haven't heard from Mr. Halbertal. So maybe just a few challenges that you would like to point out and maybe just since you're the last speaker and we're going to have to wrap up after you, you can end with something that you're optimistic about. We can leave this discussion in an energized manner. So I think that uh, one of the challenges that we have uh, is how we share the information. I believe in teamwork. I believe that the added benefit of all of us joining up together and, 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 and tackling an, a, a, a problem or, or, or getting a solution for unmet, it's very important. I believe in collaboration. And one of the problems that we have when we look at about digital uh, data of, or medical data is the, the issues of privacy that we spoke about together uh, before. And, and no doubt one of the challenges is if we want to work together and, and, and create solution is how we can take our data and take your data and share it together and take all the information because then it will be, be much more versatile, much more accurate. You can tell them made a solution 
uh, and it's much, it's a big problem. And this is a major issue of sharing the information. And I think that uh, also us and Maccabi are involved with the in Israeli, it, it used to be a startup when we started it. We used to be the better side of this company. Uh, and uh, now it's obviously not a startup anymore. Uh, uh, but MD Clone is a company that gave uh, an unbelievable solution for this. Uh, MD Clone started as a startup and, and did a few things. The first thing that they've done uh, is they built a, a, a search engine, a very easy to use search engine uh, into the data. All of us know that if we want to go into do research and us as clinicians, we need to go to the IT people, give them the question, they need to understand the question and it takes huge uh, uh, periods between uh, until you get the information uh, and, and the solution. And in our time, you don't have the time. They have to work extremely quickly. Uh, we cannot waste all the resources. So they built an amazing research uh, uh, engine. The second thing, they used an algorithm and initially they looked at anonymization of the data. But at the end of the day, this is not good enough because still in certain cases, you can go back to a patient. So what they've done, they've made a, another algorithm that takes the actual data and make it a synthetic data that you cannot connect back to a patient. So when you want to check concept, you can take this data and get uh, using the search engine, having all your questions, and this can be done extremely quick, quickly. And once we have a synthetic data, we can use data from my institution, uh, Maccabi, we work together using the same uh, method and getting all the data together and getting more uh, unbelievable information. Uh, 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 this is a huge advancement of cooperation. Uh, and, and I think that, uh, 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 and we have a, an amazing outcome. We just had a meeting with them this morning. And, and I think that this is one of the challenges and where the future, where the world is going to. We have to ensure in, uh, to, to, to work out of silos, go work together, use the data, get solution. And, and I think that this is, uh, we are there almost. And, and I think that this is very important and to be optimistic. I am optimistic by nature. Otherwise, when you work in the healthcare industries, and I'm sure you have the same problem like us, if you are not uh, born optimistic, you cannot wake up in the morning. So I'm, uh, and, and I believe that we have, uh, obviously in Israel, unbelievable healthcare system. Uh, I know that Slovenia has the same unbelievable healthcare system. And I think that uh, sitting here together and discussing those things and listening to what you said, and I'm sure listening to what we have said, I think that I'm optimistic. You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health. If you enjoyed the show, do leave a rating or a review wherever you listen to your podcast. In the upcoming episodes, we will talk about healthcare digitalization in the Nordic countries of Europe. Stay tuned!